Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Earlier this month, the new children's TV show premiered on the YouTube page of the Nine Network, as well as the Missouri Historical Society. It's called The Believe Project. The pilot episodes of The Believe Project are the brainchild of a group called the St. Louis Black Authors of Children's Literature. And joining us today to talk about the show and their work is the group's president, Julius B. Anthony. Julius, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So you've now dropped two episodes of the Believe Project TV show. How big an undertaking was it to put this whole show together out of nothing? Well, for someone who's never done this before, it was huge. (laughs) Um, It was a big undertaking. It actually was a pivot from the work that we previously did, which was basically based in schools and community centers. And once um, the pandemic happened and kids weren't allowed to go back to school, um, it was really an effort to try to continue to connect with the children that we were connecting with in our program. Find a way to to catch them in their homes, not just having them come in in person. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about that context, these literacy labs that you were doing. What was in these literacy labs? So um, essentially, we started the Believe Project back in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually came out of work that we were doing at the Missouri History Museum. We were facilitating a few educational programs for the families that typically came for those kinds of activities. Um, And we presented um, a, a presentation of the snowy day by Ezra Jack Keats, Great book. who is considered, yeah, absolutely. And that particular book is considered the first nationally piece of recognized black children's literature. And so that particular year, the U.S. Postal Service had actually commemorated a stamp in honor of the protagonist in that book, Peter. Mm -hmm. And so we had this big celebration um, in December during the winter getaway season. We had planned for about 50 or 60 families, and we ended up getting 300 families to attend the event. Wow. And yeah, it was so exciting. And what was most exciting about that experience is that um, the children came from many different backgrounds, many different cultures, races, and we were really able to particularly get Black families out to this event in a way that they never had before in terms of the programs that were being provided by the History Museum. Hmm. So as a result of that, um, I have a nephew who is a millennial, and he was like, Uncle Buck, put your stuff on LinkedIn and let everybody know what you're doing. That's some good so, advice right there. <laughs> yeah, it was the perfect advice. Because actually, after putting pictures and about that event on LinkedIn, um, the regional business development person from Scholastic Book Fairs reached out to me for a meeting and wanted to talk about how our organizations could possibly partner. Hmm. And out of those series of conversations, um, the Believe Project was birthed. So It seems like a great project, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm told that you actually rejected the partnership with Scholastic ultimately. Is that right? Well, 
Well, initially I did. <laughs> so our mission essentially is to ensure that all kids are confident and competent readers by the end of third grade. And we just believe that Black children's literature is a definitive strategy to ensure that Black children are successful readers. Mm -hmm. And in my first conversation with the regional director from Scholastic, I mean, she was very honest. She said, hey, we don't have a huge catalog of Black children's literature, and we're looking for opportunities to partner with groups who can help us with that. Mm -hmm. And so um, she asked about our organization uh, becoming a part of Scholastic, and my initial response was no, because I thought that if they really wanted us, I must have had something really special that I didn't realize that I had myself. So um, we kind of ended the, that meeting like that. And we, we met at a local coffee shop. Um, hmm. And she called back a couple of weeks later and asked for another meeting. And then she pitched the idea of us being a third party vendor to a reading room program that they already had. Mm. Um, and I was familiar with that reading program. But what I didn't want to do is to not be committed to my mission. And I knew that in that program, schools basically got a lot of leveled readers and a lot of those books simply did not um, tell stories about black children or the black experience. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't interested. So that was like my second rejection <laughs> to them. And, um, now, and you have to realize Scholastic is like the top seller in children's and distributor oh, of children's yeah. books in the world. I mean, they're huge. And, you're, you're playing so yeah. hard to get here. It's it's incredible. Oh, oh my God. Yes. I mean, they own Harry Potter. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that tells you everything you need to know right there. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I really was committed to our mission and I understood the devastation in terms of what was happening in our communities regarding black children hitting third grade on level. So anyway, I told them to give me an opportunity to kind of think about what we could do. And I sort of like reimagined the whole reading library experience, but we don't call it a library. We call it a literacy lab because children do several things in that space. And so at the core of the space is the literature. Um, we have been fortunate to open up four spaces, and in those spaces, we have at least 3,500 books wow. in all of those spaces. And our goal initially was to just have a 1,000, but so much goodwill has been put around this project that we were able to, to place 3,500 books in those spaces. And actually, we have more than Scholastic as a partner to make this happen. So wow. We have, yeah. So, Julius, 3,500 books in, in each of these four locations. Um, how many of these books are, are books that are, are black children's literature by black authors or featuring uh, black protagonists? So we're committed to making sure that at least 80 percent of the books in, in those spaces um, is black children's literature as we define it. Mm -hmm. And we define black children's literature as a children's picture book or an adolescent reader that tells the story or history of black children, black people and their experiences. Hmm. So the authors aren't necessarily always black or African-American. Um, but what we're more interested in is the content and making sure that, yeah, that black children hear stories about themselves. So how have the kids uh, who, you know, are in these sites where they have these labs, how have they responded to having that content in front of them and in such an overwhelming number? 
wonderfully well. And so we have four sites. The first site was opened at Ferguson Community Empowerment Center on the site uh, where Michael Brown was shot and the quick trip uh, actually burnt down. Mm -hmm. So to us, that was really significant to have our first site there. Um, We really felt like we were meeting our social justice issue um, by having the first site there. Um, And the second site opened at Sister Thea Bowman Catholic School in East St. Louis. The third site is Glasgow Elementary School in the Riverview Garden School District. And the fourth site is Old North Confluence Academy, which is part of the Confluence Academy's charter schools. Um, Yeah, and so in these spaces, we wanted to make sure that kids felt as if they were at home And we wanted to build sort of like a home type environment. And so IKEA was very gracious to us and lended us their design team. They went into those spaces, they looked at them, and they made sure that they had nice, comfortable couches and comfortable Mm. chairs. And so it's it's more of an adult-looking setting, and we were intentional about that because we wanted children to make the psychological connection that what you do here, you can do at home. And so my favorite story about how they have responded to the space is a story about the kids at the Ferguson Center. And so Major Gail Ayo, who um, is with the Salvation Army, she she told me the story um, about a couple of days after the kids first went into the space. And she said, Julius, you wouldn't believe this, but our kids have actually identified the space as their home. Mm-hmm. And they decided together that when they walked into that space, they would take off their shoes, almost as if it was sacred ground. Wow. And yeah, that was um, the real moment that I understood um, that what we were doing was really transformational and powerful. Yeah, and that's, that it was, that's such a remarkable moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you visit those sites, all of them, and you go into the spaces while the kids are there, we've told the uh, leadership of those buildings, that those spaces have to be spaces where children are allowed to do what they want to do, that they guide their own experience, that they're allowed to read the books that they want to read. Hmm. And so it has to be self-directed so that kids can build an agency for their own love for reading. We're talking right now to Julius B. Anthony. He's the president of the St. Louis Black Authors of Children's Literature. And these uh, these uh, literacy labs obviously got shut down by the coronavirus, just like everything else. And that is when, Julius, you turned to TV. And I want to make sure in our last couple minutes here that we get to the TV component because this is brand new. It's super cool. Everybody can access it on YouTube. And in these episodes of The Believe Project, you are almost a hip-hop Mr. Rogers. So I want to play a clip. <laughs> of you. And this is you giving the Believe Pledge, which is part of each episode of the Believe Project. To all the believers, what do we see? Stories written for you and me. Tales of adventures and fantasies. Narrative saying, be the best that you can be. To all the believers, let's count to three. Then open your books and read with me. One, two, three. 
And that is from the new pilot uh, program, The Believe uh, Project, which is on the YouTube page for the Nine Network. Um, Julius, that's your voice there. It's got to be hard to get that tone right. You want to be sincere with the kids. You don't want to talk down to them. Do you have kids that you use as a focus group as you're sort of perfecting these episodes? Yes, my 20 plus years of experience with children. That's my longest group. So I've, I've done everything in education from teach first grade uh, to being a school administrator. And so all of my career, I've been around kids in either early childhood or elementary education. So, so they were the focus. You yeah. know how to talk to this uh, audience. Absolutely, absolutely. And here's the thing, you don't want to talk to them or baby talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids are much, much more smarter than we give them credit for. What you want to do is to just be authentic and honest with them and to give them experiences and language that they could easily connect with. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the Believe Project as a TV show or digital episodic series. Um, We want to make sure that we can connect with that part of St. Louis's community that's sometimes not forgotten about, that sometimes is forgotten about, I'm sorry. And um, that is more connected to the hip hop culture, hip hop generation. Those are the children that struggle the most with literacy. And we want to make sure that this uh, series is relevant to them and their parents. So you're bringing in authors. In one case, you even have a 13-year-old author who's reading. It's terrific. Um, and then you also have some just really fun music in these these two early episodes that have already dropped. How do you find the balance between the educational component and just the more creative activities as well? Sure. So each one of the episodes will always feature an an author and their literature. And we're fortunate to have some great local authors here in St. Louis. Um, The four um, authors that we'll feature in this series will be Asia LaStar, Mikey Wren, who is the 13-year-old author, um, Pamela Hornsby-Irvin, and Pancho Rucker. And they all have wonderful books. Um, The other thing is because music and art is such an important part of the series, we made sure that we reached out to that part of the community. So I sought guidance from the folks over at 105.1 Streets, which is a local popular uh, digital hip hop uh, radio series. Um, They have great on-air personalities. The more specific person that I connected with was uh, DJ Smooth. And he connected me with local artists. And shout out to Reese Young, Robin Nicole, and Black Grits, who is the producer of our theme song. And they also add additional music throughout the show. Well, these are really fun episodes. They're just very fast-paced. There's a lot to enjoy there. And yet they really work for kids. Um, There's two of them that you can now see on the Nine Networks page. I understand there's two more that you've already filmed um, that are going to be dropping in August. Is that right? Yep, August 7th and August 21st. So if people want to follow along, they can do that. And then, Julius, just last question here um, in just the last uh, seconds we have here today. You still hoping to get those literacy labs then open back up uh, this fall? 
Absolutely. We had someone tapped to open until the COVID thing happened. Um, I don't know what where those projects are going to go, but we are in conversation with other schools who want to at least build the labs and have them ready for whenever kids return back to school. Well, that's great that you're on it. In the meantime, everybody can watch these things on YouTube. We'll have a link on our website, which is stlpublicradio.org. So Julius B. Anthony of the St. Louis Black Authors of Children's Literature, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.